If we believe that we are always under attack, then we're going to go into addictions. If we believe that we are in an abundant universe or that we absolutely love, you know, possibilities and the beauty is around us, then we make choices from a place of a little more compassion. That's kind of the tip of the iceberg. I'm Krati Mehra and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. And welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 10. And what we have today is this amazing interview filled with love and joy. And it's all thanks to our guest, Shannon Kaiser. Now, for those of you who don't already know her, Shannon is an international life coach. She's a speaker and retreat leader. And she's also this uh, amazing writer. She's uh, the best-selling author of five books on the psychology of happiness and fulfillment, including the number one bestseller, The Self-Love Experiment, and Adventures for Your Soul, and my personal favorite, Joy Seeker, which is also her latest book. And acknowledging the incredible work she's done as a life coach, she has been named one of the top 100 women to watch in wellness by Mind Body Green and your go-to happiness booster by Health Magazine. Her Instagram account has been labeled a must-follow Instagram account for inspiration by Entrepreneur Magazine. And through her work, Shannon has helped a lot of people see themselves as the amazing humans they are and truly live their potential. She is no doubt a great coach, but I think... The fact that she has been through her own transformation journey, her own share of struggles is what allows her to tackle the subject of addiction, depression, joy, happiness with such great understanding and empathy, as you'll see during the interview. I especially recommend this episode to people who are struggling with addiction of any kind, or if you're struggling in a way that makes you feel like you are no longer in control, or you're feeling desperate or hopeless. This episode, I really think can help you. So without further delay, let's dive in. Thank you so much for making time for this. Yeah, I'm so excited. That's great. So I'm glad. Thank you. Great, great. I know like you are through your books, through your work, and I know you work personally also with people. You do events. You are spreading all this joy and you're teaching people how to live a consciously joyful life, right? But this was not always your life either you know this wasn't always who you were there was a time when you were working the conventional job and you were facing burnout and overwhelm and all the negativity that comes with that sort of life but you found a way to get away from that life to the one you have now and the the two lives they're so different right so So, so what triggered the change can you tell me a story because I, i think that's where the learning really is for people who are struggling right now It's so true. And it is. It's like night and day, totally a different life. Several years ago, actually, this year is a decade. I'm celebrating actually this month in in October. It's been 10 years since I was diagnosed with clinical depression. And I was living in a completely different city in a different career. I was climbing the corporate ladder living in Chicago and working in advertising. And it was interesting because it looked like I had everything that we're supposed to want, a man who wanted to marry me. I was very successful in my career working with celebrities and I would go home at night and cry. 
And I actually thought that was normal. I thought everyone cried themselves to sleep every night. I just thought that's what it meant to be human. And it turned into eating disorders, drug addiction, and all of my relationships were really superficial. I went to the doctor. She diagnosed me with depression, and that was a turning point for me. I came home that night. Like so many nights before, I suffered and cried on the floor, the ball crying on the cold floor and a wet, my own wet tears. But this night was different because I said, I can't keep living this life. It's exhausting to be someone you're not. And in that moment, my inner voice said, Shannon, follow your heart. Whether it was my voice, my higher power, angels, whatever it is, it was a presence of so much love. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't know what my heart wants, but I know that what I'm doing is not it. And so... That moment, literally 10 years ago, I have never not listened to that directive, follow your heart. And what it turned into is this beautiful, amazing life where I am of service now, living my truth because I am the most happy when I'm helping others find their happy. I am most fulfilled when I'm doing writing and writing my books and coaching and working with people. But it's not an overnight thing. It's not like I woke up and all of a sudden was a best-selling author and had my knew I wanted to be a coach. It's one step at a time. And I say, we learn the way on the way. So no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what we feel in our heart, where we're at in this position, just ask, can I bring a little more joy into this moment? And can I bring a little bit more of my true self? I didn't know who I was. And the depression for me was a result of me not knowing who I was. As Jim Carrey says, when we're depressed or it's in, it's in, he says, we're tired of playing the avatar that we've been playing. I'm kind of butchering that quote, but we have to look at who we really are and what we really want and stand for. So that was a turning point for me. And I've never looked back. I'm so fulfilled. I wake up every morning. Of course, I still have moments where I'm sad or, you know, I cry or depression comes in, but it's like a moment and I have all the tools to return back to the true authentic reason we're all here, which is to live with more joy and purpose. That's amazing. And you have sustained and strengthened that change. You know, you've gone from strength to strength and it is possible to see your journey a little bit through your books also, I think. But, you know, when you are making change of that magnitude, you know, because the change is so like so drastic, obviously it is not an overnight process, but I know because I've been through something similar and I've met people who've been through something similar. But the thing is, there is so much resistance. There is resistance from people who have known you and there there is internal resistance and there's so much doubt whether you're even doing the right thing or whether this is going to come back to haunt you and you're going to want to go back and to that previous life because you end up losing maybe material things, maybe lose your income or whatever, you know? So how do you talk yourself out of that, that, that doubt that, um, you know, the thing that keeps pulling you back? It's interesting because we all have that. And what it is, is fear. And our fear is going to do everything it can to try to slow us down. And you're right. Each book that I write, I kind of share more and more of it. And where I talk about in the book, Joy Seeker, the last book that came out is there's something called the good fear. And this is the fear that tries to protect us and keep us safe. But we can exist with it instead of letting it control us. Fear is is part of your ego. It's part of the part of our mind that wants to make sure you're safe. And when we understand this, we can really work with it and allow it to coexist with us. And so I was terrified. Once I realized that I wasn't living my truth, and I was depressed because of my lack of bringing the real me forward, it was terrifying to leave my career that was already well established. I didn't know what people would think. And I realized though that 
in that journey, I got to a point where I couldn't not be the real me. And in that space, that gave me wings, if you will. It's almost like we're caterpillars and you realize that you've been living a life that doesn't feel authentic. You thought it did, because I did. You would have asked me 10 years ago and I'd be like, yeah, this is what I wanted, but you don't realize. And you go into this caterpillar shell. Well, what's interesting is caterpillars will eat like 500 times their body weight. They're very destructive right. and they, they go into this like cocoon. And they think they're going to die and they're just like fat and happy, but they're dying. Right. And so my point with that is we do self-sabotaging things on our way in living our truth. And so I would, it wasn't like I realized that I was depressed and all of a sudden I'm free of drug addictions and I'm totally over my toxic relationships. It's a process. And that caterpillar is about self-awareness and learning who you are and what you're really stand for. And so self-awareness is the key. And then guess what? The more self-aware you are, whether it looks like working with a coach, reading the books, listening to beautiful podcasts like this, self-awareness is a reflection of who am I and what do I really stand for and what do I want? And then that wing or that starts popping out, right? And then it's uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden you become this butterfly and that's your true self. So it's a part of emerging. And I think a lot of us resist that because it's very dark. When that caterpillar goes into the cocoon, it is pitch black. But one thing I've learned with the darkness is it's not something to fear. Dark or fear, if you will, is a lack of information. And light right. is information. And so if we bring more light and love into the shadows of ourselves, into the dark parts of our life, and this is what we're seeing collectively on the planet right now too, darkness is really being revealed because we're bringing more information to it. It can be healing. So all you want to do is add more information into your life. And as you do this, whether it's journaling, meditating, you start to open up into more of your true self. That. <laughs> that was wonderfully put. This is what I'm talking about. When someone has actually been through that experience, I don't think an expert can bring the sort of, I don't know, em empathy, the sort of understanding, just the kind of information a person that is going through that kind of transformation needs, unless that the other person, the person who's coaching them, it has actually been through it. I think that just adds an extra nuance to it. I agree. Yeah. So you said something about tools that help you uh, go back to your authentic self as and when you lose your way. W what are those tools? Yeah, it's exactly something we we really want to recognize is because, and I even write about it in all the books, but especially Joy Seeker, the last book that came out, because that book is let go of what's holding you back so you can live the life you're made for. And one of the number one things that holds us back is thinking our life needs to look a certain way. And so we feel off track. We feel like we're not where we're supposed to be. But also within that, it's the idea that we are supposed to be happy all the time. I see this in my coaching clients. I felt this way when I first left corporate. I was like, okay, well, I'm following my heart. I should, I should be happy. So we want to look at when we're shooting all over ourselves, anywhere we're saying, I should, I should. We want to catch ourselves because really what's happening is we're putting pressure on ourselves to look a certain way. So the number one thing is to recognize we don't have to be happy all the time. And there is no there to get to. Okay. A new principle, um, this is inspired by Summer Bacon and Dr. Peebles' teaching, but one of the principles is to allow yourself to be where you are. And it's really about loving allowance for yourself and all people to be where they are, okay. which means that we look at our life 
as a creative adventure. And that's why my books, The Self-Love Experiment, Adventures for Your Soul, the last book was going to be The Joy Seeker Project. It's all about looking at your life as if it's a big experiment. And what does a scientist do when they're experimenting? They have a goal in mind, but each mini project within it is is not a failure if it doesn't work. It's like, oh, now I am closer to realizing one more thing that didn't work. It's like Mm -hmm. Thomas Edison or invented the light bulb after someone asked him, you know, you've, you've tried a thousand times to invent electricity. Aren't you burnt out? And he said, no, I've learned a thousand ways that it won't work. And then like the next one, it worked. So it's this resilience attitude that we adopt. And with that, the tools become available. I believe everyone has their own set of tools. And and this is why with my coaching, and I love that you talked about personal experience because it's so true that a lot of us feel we need to get these certifications. We need to go back to school. I was just talking to a friend the other day and they're 40 years old and they're like, oh, I'm not doing what I want anymore. I want to change careers, but I don't want to go back to school. And I was like, you don't have to go back to school. Your life experience of, of going through relationships and divorce is preparing you to now help people. And so if we start looking at our life experience as the most glorious education alive for us, that changes everything. So we are in a school called Planet Earth and we are taking classes and experimenting in these classes. So the tools are different, but the tools that I have really used that have helped pull me into the state that I'm in, and I say pull because they were like almost delivered from my heart, are everything from journaling, meditation, mantras are very powerful. I have mantra decks and oracle card decks that I'm working on, and these are so powerful because they're ways for you to get in touch with what your heart wants to be shown and what you want to kind of express yourself books, podcasts, these are the tools. But ultimately, the number one tool that all of us can use is to really drop from our head into our heart and learn how to listen and work with our intuition. Our intuition is so strong. Our intuition can lead us. And when you are aligned with your intuition, your BS meter goes off. If If you're in a relationship and someone says something, or if some government tries to say something to you and you're like, that doesn't feel right. Your intuition is a direct connection to your higher self, your true self, your real authentic self. So the more I've learned to trust my intuition, the stronger everything else becomes. Right. That's So just to share a quick example, just a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. I am working on my next book, which is all about inner peace. And I woke up and I just felt exhausted. My body, like literally for the past two weeks, I've been exhausted. My body is tired. My brain hurts. I can barely even get up in the morning. It's not depression. It's exhaustion. And I've been in places in my life where I've been tired before. People are like, oh, is it because you're working out more? Is it your diet? No, it's none of that. All of it is. And what I've been doing is listening to my intuition And my intuition has been just guiding me through the process. And it says, take today and take a nap, take a hot bath. And each moment, you know, um, the other day, my intuition led me to, now by no means am I, I've been doing this practice for very long, so always seek medical help and stuff. But my intuition said, you're really low on, um, what was it? It was um, like zinc and magnesium in my meditation. And so I went and I got some kind of, um, magnesium started taking that two days later, I felt so much better. My levels were just off. And so that's part of the intuition, getting to trust yourself and learning what your body needs, working with naturopaths I've been doing for, for many years. So it's all connected. Our intuition is our superpower. 
Okay. Now on that, I have a question for you. You know, um, people who are going through addictions or people who have recently had a broken relationship, basically people who have suffered a loss that uh, talks that, or, or that is a statement on their personal judgment, you know, especially for addicts, because I think the one thing that happens to every single addict in the world is they lose confidence in their own judgment. And there's so much guilt and there's so much shame. I think to convince someone who is thriving in their life to trust their intuition is easier, but to talk about intuition to someone who has made a lot of bad decisions that have cost them their relationships, cost them their personal growth or, or even their life to a certain extent, they have suffered uh, physical losses as well. It is very, very difficult. So what would you say would be the first step for someone like that? Because I also went through an addiction. I, I was uh, addicted to pain pills and I remember, um, spending a night on my bathroom floor and being sick on the floor and when I woke up in the morning I was so ashamed of myself and also scared which was what uh, led me to seeking help but it was not done from a healthy place it was done out of very desperate desperate fear you're not alone in that and I think that we all as souls if you look at we're we're souls on a mission to learn more about ourselves and return to love and so from that place many of us learn through struggle and trauma. And I know firsthand about the experience of suffering with addiction. And it's interesting because now that I am on the other side of it, and I've done a lot of work around this, and I've written lots and lots about mental health and our attachments. And what I've come to realize, and this is also in working with my mentors and coaches, is that every single person on the planet has an addiction. And we put shame and and addiction, some of us, when we put good or bad to it, now this could be controversial, but this is truly what I feel can free us. When we put, that is a good, like for example, someone who works out every day, they're addicted to feeling good. That could be a healthy addiction. Someone who really enjoys their salads, someone who loves, you know, animals. So they adopt a lot of animals. Addictions come in all forms. Being human, if we can start letting go of the term addiction as a bad thing, that's step number one. Because from, I guess, a spiritual perspective or a universal soul perspective, good and bad is something that our ego mind does. And when we're in a place of looking at it as bad, we shame ourselves. And when we shame ourselves, we can't move into love. You are right. The first thing you do is wake up and shame yourself. But what I've learned and how I've been able to overcome my addictions, whether it's eating disorders or my drug addictions or my toxic relationships that I kept finding myself in. It was about first saying, you know what, perhaps this experience is the thing that is going to be my catapult or my jumping off point. This experience is what I absolutely need in order to be okay today. For example, when the quarantines and everything started to happen this year, I found myself overeating again. I've cycled many times in my life, whether it's not eating at all or overeating my whole decade. I talk about it all in my book, The Self-Love Experiment, Eating Disorders, Coming Back to Loving Yourself. And I found myself in the space where I was gaining weight, like up to 10, 20 pounds, and I couldn't be any more loving or nurturing to myself in the sense that I have the tools to say, you know what, you, you're doing the best you can and this is how you're able to function. So without that shame there, I'm able to go into a place yeah. of solutions. So the solution is where you look at why did this happen? If the shame was there, then I'd keep beating myself. I would still be overeating now. I'd probably weigh even more. Do you see what I'm saying? 
So we take off the shame. And in taking off all judgment and shame, we go to a place of compassion, nurturing, and understanding. We go to a place of knowing that this is part of a bigger picture for us to learn a lesson. And then we go into what is the lesson available for me. For me, the lesson is to realize that for most of us with addictions, it's a lack of trust. We don't trust the universe. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust ourselves to pick a partner. However, the addiction shows up. And so what it really becomes is having more faith. And your faith will help you through, whether it's faith in a higher power, faith in the universe, faith in that this world. It's Albert Einstein actually said, the most important decision you can make of your life is whether you believe we live in a hostile universe or a friendly universe. Start there. If we believe that we are always under attack, then we're going to go into addictions. If we believe that we are in an abundant universe or that we absolutely love, you know, possibilities and the beauty is around us, then we make choices from a place of a little more compassion. That's kind of the tip of the iceberg. Hope that helps. Oh, it does. You have shared, I think, a very unique perspective, detaching, like taking away the shame and actually looking at addiction as something good that happened to you. That's I think that's amazing. It would be quite a bit of work to convince someone of that, but I think it is an excellent place to start for every single addict in the world. As someone who's been through it, I think if someone had told me that this addiction is what you needed in this phase of your life, I think that would have been that would have blown my mind. <laughs> and that would have helped Exactly. Me. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. would definitely have taken away some of the weight, you know, because as you're struggling to rebuild your health and your mental state and your emotional and your relationships, because addiction attacks every 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 part of your life. If someone could take away that extra weight, things would become so much easier. I I hope I can put this message, spread this message as far as I can, because that is definitely a very, very, very healthy way of looking at it. And that would help a lot of people. And it helps because we're on the other side of it. But I do remember and visit my my younger self. And one of the things that helped me was visiting my future self. And I remember literally crying on the, the floor one day, feeling so lost. And this was after I had left corporate and I was just starting to get clear that I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to coach people, but I had no idea how I'd make money doing that. And I was still kind of lingering off of the, the pill popping. And and it was in that experience where I said, I need help. I, I can't I can't do this on my own. And so asking for help is probably one of the most important steps we can do. I suffered from depression silently. I had suicidal thoughts and I didn't know how to ask for help because I didn't want to be a burden to the world. But in looking back, it's not even going to someone and saying, hey, I'm not okay. It's for all of us now, no matter where you are, to be more open and and compassionate with others Mm -hmm. who are expressing themselves and, and it's not even about looking for the warning signs. It's about just opening and extending your heart to someone else, whether it's on social media, instead of attacking them because they have a different viewpoint or trying to defend yourself or unfriending them because they're so in a different place, we need to come together. And so asking for help can look like prayer. It can look like reaching, literally surrendering, surrendering to the experience and saying, I cannot do this on my own. And that was when the divine intervention happened for me. I literally hit my knees and I said, I need help. And I said it out to the universe and help was able to come. 
So okay. it's all a very layered approach, but I believe sometimes when we're in the addictions, we shame ourselves. So we take off the shame and then ask for help and watch how things change. Just watch. Okay. Uh, okay. Now I have a lot of questions. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. you you talked about having faith, right? Like I'm religious. I pray every morning. My That's how my day starts. But the thing is that not everybody's religious and that's completely okay, of course. But would you ever introduce faith as an important element to recovery, to growth? Because I know it's a controversial subject and people always get very defensive when you bring it up. I love this question because it is the foundation for my coaching and the foundation for all my work. And I believe that that's truly why when we follow our hearts, we're always provided for. And, and faith to me is not religion. We find faith in a place of, of, of believing in something bigger than ourselves. Right. And we need that in order to survive. And so for some, it looks like a very specific religious figure. Others, it's, it's um, you know, the universe or others, it's it's having your faith in, in your family that they've got your back. But what it really comes back down to is faith is love. Every I've traveled the world and I have gone and, and experienced and participated in many different religions as people in all kinds of countries invite me into their home and we pray, pray in unison. And I have friends in all cultures. And what I have come back to realize is that every person of faith who does have a religion, it all comes back to love. Right. For the most part, there are some religions that maybe don't honor that, but it's divine love. It practice forgiveness, practice, um, you know, honoring your, your, your connection to Allah, God, whatever it is, there is a supreme being. And so, yes, it is the foundation. And for me, prayer has helped. And most importantly, right now, it, it, it's almost like we have to be unapologetic about our beliefs. And it's not saying I'm right, you're wrong. It's saying I believe in this so firmly that this is my truth. Right. And as we are standing in our truth, then we're protected. Love will protect us. And we need to be protected right now as we move through 2020, right, mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. from so many things. So I believe faith is the foundation. Right. And it's in all of my work in a way where I don't necessarily say, this is the religion you need to be. I honor you on your path. And that's what it's about. I honor you. You honor me as we started with Namaste. But ultimately, yeah, I literally will have sessions where I'm praying and clients. And I think some of the best coaches meet their clients where they're at. I know that I've had many coaches and they work with me with where I'm at. And so I have some clients where we literally will pray and and they'll they'll work with what religion they're in and others where we will be um, doing creating mantras for each other, like create a mantra for them to go through the week and, and move through fear. But here's the ultimate bottom line to this. All fear is dissolved with faith. Your faith is stronger than fear. And faith is love. It's a connection to love. So why would we not want that? Every single person on the planet gets weird out like, oh, it's faith. But no, it's the most beautiful word. <laughs> right. it's, it's love. Yes. We want more love. Absolutely. And I'll just say one thing. If anybody, you know, listens to this and starts to explore this area, uh, like I'm a Hindu and we do, we have, obviously our religion has things that are not so great, but why focus on that? You can be whoever you are. You can be a Hindu, a Christian, a Muslim, whoever you are. If you need to do that, you can just take the best elements of it. Like we have this little thing. My mom would tell me that on Thursdays, you're not supposed to wash your hair, which is insane. It is so crazy. It does not make sense. And then, you know, it's like she suggests it in a way that you're going to piss off God. 
And I'm thinking that if he's getting pissed off because I'm washing my hair on Thursday, he has too much free time and I'm not yeah. going to pray to that God. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll just say one thing to anybody who, who considers this, like just believe that I ha- if there is a higher power and he is very generous and he's very compassionate and forgiving because he's not human, then you're not, you're not praying to a human being, you're praying to God and he will forgive you. All you need to do is be good to yourself and others. Yes. As long as you're not hurting anyone, I don't see why religion has to be such a controversial subject. Yes, and I think you nailed it. As long as we're not hurting anyone. And that's the key because there are some quote-unquote religions where they cause harm to others. And I don't at right. all condone that. I believe what you said. And this is something that I've learned too. Through I grew up Christian and um, we were Lutheran. But as I've evolved as far as in my own journey, because I believe we're all on our own soul's journey, I've started to have such respect for all religions. And now it's just a divine connection to source energy, God, universe, divine light. You know, there's so many things we could call it, but you nailed it. I feel that there are some religions that make you fear God. Right. And that's not a place we need to be in because God is uh, love and, and love should never be feared. And that's part of why so many of us are in these conditions where we're afraid to be intimate with others. We're afraid to show ourselves. We're afraid. We wear these masks over ourselves because we're terrified. And that's where the shame comes in. But all we have to do is just invite more love in. So nothing about love needs to scare us. And I love that you mentioned that because what you just shared is you listening to your intuition like, okay, mom, that works for you. But for me, I'm going to wash my hair on Thursday and God still loves me, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and crazy thing is, is she has believed these things for so long. But, you know, once she exactly saw it. me embracing a different idea, she went with it. There was yeah. no resistance there. It was so easy. So good. Believing in the good things in life, believing in something positive is so much easier than, you know, carrying darkness and carrying weight or carrying any kind of negative attachment to really any part of your life. I don't know why people don't just do that. It's it's, it's a difficult process to get someone to that. I love that what you just shared too, because this also proves and shows that we are all teachers for everyone as far as you were able to become an example through your connection to love you were connected to love and this is my truth you then showed what's possible when we get out of that fear that fear that says no you can't do this or the limitations so if we start to look at our life more like that too this goes back to everything we're talking about even if it's leaving a a job you don't like or, or kind of slowly disengaging from an addiction it all becomes a point of, do I want to choose love or fear today? That's all. Where am I going to make my choices from? And that's why I encourage and invite every single person waking up in the morning. We live in a very turbulent time. 2020 is very exhausting and turbulent and chaotic. There's a lot of information coming at us. Even if you see someone who's doing something you may not agree with, or you're feeling like you're not in, in being protected because of their choices, Go back to love. Surround yourself with love. Honor them in their journey and say they're doing what they feel is right. I love you, my dear friend. You know, I've been doing this literally. When I pass people in the grocery stores, I send them love. Strangers, I smile at them and they can't always see a smile, you know. But it's one of those things where we have to choose love in order to move through this time. Right. You've put the whole thing beautifully. But I, I would love to get your opinion on, you know, how law of attraction and, and there's so much literature on that. There's so much 
information on law of attraction and they, it it looks so tempting because initially when this all started happening when people started sharing information on it they made it look kind of easy as if this is going to take away all your struggles and i i feel like it gave out the wrong message but now they talk about not being attached to the outcome but i feel like it it's causing all the struggle to people who are already struggling and if they start following these ideas about law of attraction and they want to find abundance they want to find growth and 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 obviously material things as well then there is suddenly this one idea that you have to surrender and you have to follow your journey without getting attached to the outcome except that the outcome is what is driving everything mm-hmm. and then suddenly there is this extra struggle and there's this extra confusion and frustration there have you i don't know if you've ever talked about this or I have in fact in my book Joy Seeker I've had readers reach out to me to say hey you talk about the law of attraction and then you talk about letting go later in the book I'm confused so I'm so glad you brought it up because here's what happens with the law of attraction just take out that it's a law for a moment right. and just recognize that everything is energy right which means that our thoughts are energy and they either have just like a battery a positive charge or a negative charge but guess what they're both part of the same charge so it's just a matter of what side you want to lead with and when we start focusing on energy then we realize like attracts like and so the more we focus on what we want and what we desire the easier it is for us to get that and where it comes into surrender or be detached is for example and i love i love examples like this like if you think about in your life when you wanted something right. but you didn't want it so bad you were just like maybe a little kid and you wanted um a toy mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. school or or you just didn't didn't want to um you know do something that your family wanted to do something something simple and then it happened and it's because you weren't attached to it so for example when we really want something we want it so bad that we almost energetically strangle it i want a soulmate i want to be out of debt i want to be um clear on my life purpose these things i want to be addiction free these things we focus on we're focusing so much on what we want but then our mind goes to so say say your big goal is to lose weight Oh, my my family's overweight. It's in my genes. I want to lose weight. And and then you're you're focusing on what you want and you're focusing, right? Law of attraction. Okay, I'm focusing on what I want. And then you say, gosh, I ate pizza last night and and now I want more and, and it's bad for me. And and you go into this vibration. Remember, mm-hmm. everything is energy and everything is vibration, where you're energetically suffocating what it is you want with the the lack. So what right. the work is, and that's why I have a whole chapter about our beliefs in Joy Seeker and a whole chapter about aligning yourself to what it is your true desire from a place of intention. When your intention is focused and pure, everything becomes a lot easier. So it all comes back to removing literally the parts of us that feel like we're not worthy the parts of us that feel like we're not good enough the parts of us that feel like we're never going to get what we want because we just are doomed and so an example of this I love examples uh several years ago I sat down and this is about 10 years ago at this point I really wanted to be in a relationship and okay. a committed partnership and I sat down and I made a list and this is a, a tool that I actually share in the book Joy Seeker. Mm-hmm. It's called the Fear to Love chart where you sit down and you write down all your fears or worries 
And I was remember sitting okay. at a coffee shop writing my list. And I looked up and I saw a really handsome man. I was like, oh, he's cute. And then this woman comes in and they kiss. And then I go, oh, and I wrote in my list, all the good ones are taken, right? That was a belief I had, like he's married. And, and another one, um, I, I was almost 30 at the time. And it's, you know, everyone's married or has kids already, you know, so I just listed out every belief. And as I looked at those, I looked at how fear was making that choice. And that was a belief. And I said, well, what does truth say? And so instead of all the good ones are taken, truth and love becomes the right one is available for you. You know, you change it. And so you almost create this mantra. It was a beautiful practice. And within two weeks, I met a man and we dated and we fell in love. We lived together. We're not together anymore. But it was so powerful how this exercise worked. I cleared the blocks that were right. keeping me from love's presence and I allowed love in my life. Okay. So maybe focusing on the goal, staying attached to it, but in a positive way and reframing everything, every idea to whatever supports that, uh, the attainment of that That's goal. exactly it. Oh, okay. But Reframe every belief that is blocking you from availability of that goal. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I think this will help. But do you think that fear and surrender can coexist? Because, you know, you have to remove fear to surrender. But sometimes, especially when you are sort of surrounded in darkness and when you are going through the worst period of your life, surrender is not so easy. Because as I said, I think there is a lot of fear of your own judgment. But surrender is also important to to really take that journey in in an honest, complete way. So do you think fear and surrender could coexist? Have you seen cases like that? Such a beautiful question. I believe our fear, we have to reframe our our relationship with fear. And the best example I can give to you is um, skydiving. I went skydiving and I was so afraid in that plane going up, but I knew it's what I wanted to do because I was a you know joy seeker and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. So much fear looking out. And then when they push you out of that plane, it is a full surrender. And your fear and surrender can coexist together. And then okay. what happens when you allow the surrender to truly take hold, the fear becomes love because it's all part of the same experience. It's just lack of love. And, and so we invite. And I had literally the most breathtaking graceful surrender three minutes of my life. I think that's about how long it takes to, to fall out of the sky where I looked around and I had happy tears of, of bliss because the world was so beautiful and I was doing something I had worked so hard to do. And, and it was a, I felt like a bird, all of the emotions. So yes, that is your example that they can coexist, but there will be a changeover when you fully, truly surrender that that is when guess what steps in faith our faith steps in that i'm not gonna die today <laughs> i'm gonna land and it's gonna be beautiful <laughs> so i like that example and you're right they can exist together allow yourself to be in the free fall because in that free fall energetically emotionally we we surrender into a greater state of awareness and that's when grace steps in and we become more fulfilled more connected more in our presence Right. So maybe it's okay to be afraid, but do it anyways, you know, whatever needs to be done. Yeah. It's like um, Brene Brown. She says, be brave and afraid at the same time. You have to, you you can do it. And the more you take that choice, the easier it becomes to, to move forward. Okay. So, it, you know, you said sky, skydiving is so crazy to me. I don't, 
I would love to be. Scared. I wouldn't do it again. I'll tell you that. Like I, I, well, I did it once, and I was like, okay, this is beautiful. But I'm, I'm like, nope. Yeah, but a whole new level of respect because that that scares me. But um, no, there is this. The, okay, so the, you're in the helicopter and you're about to do what you're about to do, and you know the all the you know the potentials for. I, I don't want to say like. But, but you know what could go wrong. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but our fear will try to say this could go wrong. This could go wrong. And so we stop ourselves from taking that step forward. The way through fear is to take that step. When we take an aligned action step, the fear says, oh, it's not so bad. That thing right. that you thought might happen didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. And so it's we learn the way all the way. Keep taking those steps. Go ahead, though. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But uh, so, yeah, that was that. That's helpful. But I'm. I, I wanted to ask you. Like, there's this moment before we take the leap, you know, in life, leap during skydiving or <laughs> whatever. But there is that moment when you have to psych yourself into it, right? Because you always have the option of not doing it, just taking a step back and ask the person to, you know, take me back. I don't want to do this. So, so what is, is there a process? Is there not a process? Do you talk yourself into it? How do you go into that mindset and, and do what needs to be done? Because I don't know, maybe you can see something better coming out of it. Yeah. And I think that's exactly it. It's, it's knowing that to, we are here to grow and to expand. And when we retract and when we place safe and when we return back into the, the plane and the helicopter and, and shy away from the newness and getting out of our comfort zone, then we actually, part of us dies. Our soul is not growing. We're, 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 it's almost like you're going back into kind of a recession of yourself. So to commit to a life of personal growth and to commit to a life of expansion is how I live my life and how everyone who shows up for podcasts like this and, and reads books and works with coaches, we're committed to a life of learning. And that means we're going to do things that are going to push us out of our comfort zone. And so if we start to look at our life, imagine where you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like very different. And so we're constantly growing and growing our comfort zone. And as we grow that, it becomes easier to manage each new expectation, each new situation. And so it's about a commitment to growth instead of staying, staying safe in your comfort zone. Okay. But do you think it's possible to replicate that process to something new? For example, you go on one journey that requires immense courage or that requires you to get out of your comfort zone. Can you apply that same process to other areas of your life? Or maybe when you take on something new, you need like a whole new level of courage. Like getting out of addiction is one thing, but then when you are sober, you you feel vulnerable, like your sobriety is constantly in danger. And they tell you this during support groups as well. Your sobriety is now your priority. Everything has to be your sobriety, at least for a long while. Absolutely. So then, you know, you feel so vulnerable. You feel like just somebody just took off one layer of your skin and now you are so much more weaker how do you tell, tell these people to take the kind of risks that I don't know maybe somebody has just come out of an addiction also is starting a relationship or taking on new business projects or but how do you tell them to take the same kind of yeah well they're already taking risks by by choosing to remove the layers and the masks that they've been hiding behind and that in itself is the most courageous thing we can do so you know it's so important to honor where we are in each moment and and I know that sometimes we look at as um, being vulnerable as a weakness. And I think we start there is realize that vulnerability and choosing your health 
choosing your pri- prioritizing your own self care and your self love is is the most courageous and beautiful thing that we can do. So reframing it from instead of I'm so weak now without my addiction or I'm so lost without that thing that I used to have, what it does become and I talk a lot about this in the self-love experiment that book because it's all about, you know, overcoming addictions into a place of self-love. And what it is, is it's about fueling yourself on a foundation of knowing that you're worth it, of connecting to your love within you and choosing self-love. And then it becomes easier. It becomes your new normal, your new natural state. And in this new natural state, you grow. And that's exactly where what you're saying is you start bringing in new risks. So, okay, now that I have a foundation, I'm no longer... I'm I'm drug free or I'm no longer in my addictions or for me, I'm no longer depressed. I'm no longer on drugs. Um, What do I want? I want to step into the next level of my career, you know, and you start getting to a place where you start evolving. I think if you think about ourselves like an onion, all of us, and I talk about this in the book, Joy Seeker, all of us are onions and you peel off a layer, right? There's so many layers. You keep going. You at the core are still you. But what you're doing is removing these these layers and each onions make you cry, right? Right. So each layer you remove, you feel like you're crying in the sense emotionally, you're a little more exposed and vulnerable. But all that's happening is you're removing the layers that no longer serve you. So whether that's a mask you're wearing of I need to do something in order to fit in or I need to accent, I'm not speaking my truth because I don't want to rock the boat or it's an addiction or it's a job you're in because you don't really want to admit what you really want because it might not work out or you need time and money. Whatever it is, we all have the masks and the layers. So look at the layers, start to remove them and know that you are safe because at the core, it's you in your essence and your raw beauty. Wow, great. Keeping your eye on the goal and constantly reminding you, reminding yourself of what you're going to get out of it, I think that would help. I think I think the goal is is, there's been ports in my life where my goal was like, I want to be a New York Times bestseller. I want to grow my coaching price. I want to get out of depression. Like it's a different goal. And these are important. But I've come to a place where I realized our intention is even more important. And the intention we bring to everything should be to be more aligned with our true self. It's it's about kind of connecting back to to the point of what we really want. And that in that experience your goals will come true easy, much easier because you're not kind of focusing so much on that goal. Like, here's what happens when we get our goals. That was it. (laughs) Like, think of that goal you really wanted. And you're like, okay, now I have paid coaching clients. Okay, now I have a successful podcast. Like, not anything to anything we're working towards as far as negative to that. But we get these things. And that means we've been driving from our ego our ego and our fear that thinks we need more to be happier. We need to be successful. We need to hit these benchmarks to be welcomed in society. But your heart is, is where I believe our true driver is. So when we start making goals with our heart, which is I am always in the right place at the right time and I'm connected to love, that's a whole different experience. So the goal is to not so much try to achieve from a place of our ego and the fear driving, I'm not worthy, so I need this to be happy. It's coming from a place of my heart which is I want to be whole. And this is how I was able to move through the addiction is I want to be whole. And this is how I was able to let go of toxic relationships and step from a career that did not serve my soul to something that feels so uplifting is I want to align to my truth of who I am and what I'm here to do. I want to be whole. And so our wholeness is a way forward. That's beautiful. That's 
but I'll say one thing, and I, I w- would love to get your opinion on this. Working from a place of love is what you recommend, seeking joy, right? Uh, but, you know, sometimes I, like, I've met some people who have so much resistance that I, I feel I have to brace myself and tell myself that you got to get tough with these people. And then I would tell them, okay, so what's the alternative? You don't do this, then you're going to be living a, a very sad life and you're going to regret not having taken this chance in this moment. And you have to basically create the worst case scenario for them, right? Do you think that could be effective? I think that there is a very powerful tool that I use in my retreats and meditations and it's and I have a fear detox course and I take people through a guided meditation where so there's two sides to this and I will answer yes in that sense. Um, what we do is we literally will take that fear or where you're at and amplify it and as you amplify it you go to 30 40 50 years in your future right. and you realize if you're continuing to live the way you are you see visually what's going to become of your life and that is enough whenever i do that exercise in my coaching practice that is transformational the first time i did it and it was dr d at neat in new york who introduced it to me it was one of those things where it was like profound shift. I am no longer going to listen to my fear because I am not going to be that person who is alone and isolated in the future or whatever it may be. So yes, but the second point to this, we are coaches and we want to help and serve and hold space. And I truly believe, and this took me a while, the first couple of years of my coaching practice, I wanted so much to help. And I just, I, I would, I would stay up at night with this huge heart that was heavy because I wanted to help the people. And then I got to the place where I realized that every single person we come in contact with and for coaching, every client we work with is, is a divine opportunity for everyone gets what they need. And I stopped trying to change people. And this isn't just in coaching. This is, I was dating a man who I needed him to be a certain way in order for me to be happy. Like you have to call me more or you have to tell me you love me a certain, you know, all these things. And when we need other people to kind of be better for us to be okay, that's what we want to look at. And I'm seeing this now, especially out in the world. It's very interesting because I've received messages on social media of people who are like, what is your position on this justice issue? Or why aren't you using your platform to speak on X, Y, and Z? And what I have come to realize, and this is how I think we can all be of a highest service, is there are sectors in Thrive the movie and talks about the sectors, sectors to the human experience. There's health, there's justice, there's government, there's spirituality, there's art, there's finance, there's sectors. And each one of us feels called to a certain sector. And if every single person is doing their part where they're not looking at other people to, to make sure they're doing what I think is right, like I might not be marching, holding a sign, but I'm signing a petition. Or I might not be in a place where I'm on the ground helping the homeless, but I'm helping to create a consciousness shift. So the point is you look at your sectors and then you look at where you feel called to help. Is it immediate action? Is it a conscious shift? Is it donating your time or money? My point with this is when we get to that place, we recognize that everyone's on their own journey. And to circle back to what you said, some of us have such resistance because we're not honoring where we fit in the sector, in the whole whole human puzzle. When you honor who you are, what you stand for, and you start showing up in that way, you're unstoppable. We're all thriving. And so give each other permission to thrive 
in the space that they feel most comfortable in. Okay. Look at the worst case scenario, but ultimately know that we're all on our own path and journey and we can't change people. We can only be an example of what's possible when you do it yourself, which is the best coaches, I believe. Okay. Now I'll ask you what a lot of people ask me on the blog. Um, I often get these messages and people say that, oh, it's all well and good to share this philosophy and these ideas, but I have two kids and whatnot going on in my life. So are there any practical things that you do that other people can also do to maybe find more alignment and find more joy, get out of that negativity that, that's all around us? Yeah, it's interesting because my book I wrote called Joy Seeker. And I have some really good friends. The first week it came out and they wrote me after reading like three paragraphs and they said, yeah, this is all well and good, but I have kids. And, um, you know, and it's exactly what you're saying. And in my, in my um, heart, I, I energetically hugged them because I realized that for them, they're totally missing the point. To be a joy seeker is not about saying I'm going to abandon my responsibilities or go against who I have set up to be in this world. It's about bringing more joy into that experience. Right. And so what we can do is start to have joy moments. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to just, you know, leave everything that I've created and start over. We have these, these thoughts, these inspirations, these internal nudges, you know, divine voices coming to us in the sense of like, this is something that would be joyful for you. And so we honor that. And so it is about bringing more joy in. And here's the thing. It's about authenticity. Every single one of us, there's a whole section in the book where I talk about overgiving and giving past your needs. And we give more than we actually have. And so if you're in a place where you're saying, I have this responsibility and this, and it's not for me. And a lot of times here we are in this giant situation in 2020, a world pandemic, people are like, how dare I go for joy? Are you kidding? People are suffering. Like I don't deserve joy. That's what we want to look at because joy isn't something that you are worthy of or deserve. It's something that you were born to express and be and and have. So it's, it's a something we allow by inviting it into our life. And some people are really thriving right now. You know, it doesn't matter if the world's in a recession. It doesn't matter if if there's um, a war going on outside. There are families who are hugging and having nice, nice meals inside. It's about the presence that you bring to each situation. It's about the love. It is. Joy is love to me. And love is the highest vibration. And so what we're really seeking with all the work that I'm doing and that with this and what I would say to everyone right there is it, it is about how can you bring more love into your day? That's all. It's not about saying, oh, I need to go travel the world full time or I need to go, you know, adopt or do something radical. How can I just bring more love into today? Start there. And as you do that, watch how your world transforms. There are people who are thriving now because they are aligned with love. Perfect. So just do whatever little thing or big thing you need to do to bring joy into your life. And it doesn't have to be, you know, massive. It doesn't have to, you know, require you to step away from your usual daily life. Yeah, it's one step at a time, one moment at a time. It's a commitment to feeling better. That's really what it is. I commit to feeling better than before. And I'm going to do that through my choices of aligning with love, of what the, what does that look like in each area of my life? What does that look like in, in health, relationships, finances, my children, family, career, 
how can I bring more love into that? And that's really the balance. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. And um, I, I would recommend Joy Seeker to anyone listening to the show because it's it's a wonderful resource. But what resource would you recommend to people, including your own books or any other? Yeah, so my, my website is actually playwiththeworld.com. Beautiful. Website. And I have... Thank you so much. I have a, a free quiz that you can take if you're looking for more purpose. And it's a very in-depth quiz, a lot of research psychology and all of my my tools have gone into the outcome. And in learning more about yourself, that quiz is wonderful. Just go to playwiththeworld.com and it will give you really a step-by-step process. You'll get free coaching videos, you get journal questions with your results. And so that's a great place to start. Also, if you're looking for more self-love, the book Self-Love Experiment is great for that. And then Joy Seeker is really about finding more joy in in finding love in a world that's often fearful. Perfect. And if there was just one tip you could give to the busy, busy people out there to that could enhance their life, what would that one tip be? So if people are feeling overwhelmed, I would say the one tip is to stop looking outside of yourself, meaning stop, stop looking outside at what the world is telling you you should do and go inward and say what feels right for me to do. So this means detoxing okay. from drama. Um, social media cleanse, stop watching the news. If you haven't done that already, stop watching it. Like it's, it's not helping you. It's just fear, fear porn. So come back to your heart. Your heart is a direct connection to your higher power and that will lead you forward. That was the delightful Shannon Kaiser. Now, if you want to know more about her, you can go to her website, playwiththeworld.com or, and I highly recommend this, Follow her on Instagram at Shannon Kaiser Writes. All the relevant links will be on my website, redefinenarrative.com. Search for the podcast episode and there should be a list of resources and links for you to explore. Now, if you found today's episode useful, I'll appreciate it if you'll please rate and review the show on iTunes or share it on Instagram. It will help others find the information should they need it. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore krati so that I can thank you for your time. And if there is any topic or concern you would like for me to cover on the show, please reach out to me on Insta or use the contact page on my blog. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.